Mike Rags and Todd Burlidge with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk. It's the Blue Gold Report. Well, hello again, everybody. It is time for the Blue Gold Report podcast. I'm Mike Rags. Going to bring our buddy Todd Burlidge in here in a second. And as always, wherever you found us, make sure you rate us and review us and share us and tell all your friends about the Blue Gold Report podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Blue Gold Report. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, at uh, at Rags ninety two three and Todd Burlidge is at. Todd Burlage. 7-0 sounds awfully good, doesn't it? As we are now in the top four in the AP rankings, and most people have Notre Dame getting to the playoffs if they win out. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the squeaker that was last Saturday at home. Never bet Notre Dame when there are three touchdown favorites at home. We've learned that. And uh, so much more to get to, including the uh, production out of their quarterback, Ian Book. I want to tell you that the Blue Gold Report podcast, as always, is brought to you by D.O. McComb and son's funeral homes todd it wasn't pretty but they got to seven and oh yep and that's i guess all that matters for notre dame now rags because i think we both agree that if they lose any of these games starting post virginia tech that they're probably not going to get in the playoffs so i think it's survive in advance yeah you want some style points you really do but uh, at the same time when it's coming down and you're trailing in the fourth quarter to a team that's really in many ways has made you play flat, um, and you can survive with a come-from-behind win. You'll take it. Well, they truly define playing to the level of their opponent. Yeah. The, either way. On Have either all side. year. And, and their one true blowout no-brainer was against probably the best team on their schedule so far. It's kind of ridiculous. You when, when you look at it, their three best games have come against their three best opponents, in yeah. my opinion. Michigan, Stanford, and I still will throw Virginia, Virginia Tech, Tech in yeah. there. But meanwhile, you talk about how flat they were against Ball State, Vanderbilt, and now Pitt. Yeah, absolutely. That's been the M.O. of this team this and year. And we're going to be playing lesser opponents the rest of the way. We've been talking about it. You look at their schedule, it's no doubt. we got a bye week coming up this week, so uh, we'll, we'll look we'll look back a little more than looking forward. And then, of course, you've got uh, Navy, Syracuse, and the likes uh, coming up. So, Todd, let, let's, before, you know, Everybody's used to the blue gold nuggets. Let's start there. What do you got for us? I think we better start there. Let's start with a little basketball here. Uh, it was announced this week that Bob Whitmore, it's kind of a legendary forward, played for Notre Dame uh, back in 66 through 69. Very much a trailblazer. He is from the D.C. area. He played for DeMatha High School. He will be inducted into the Ringer Honor. That will go on January 12th, halftime of the Boston College game. Whitmore really opened the door for a lot of D.C. players to start paying attention to Notre Dame. And then Mike Bray, being a Bethesda, Maryland guy, has really kind of fueled that pipeline as well during his time here. Uh, Whitmore ranks third all-time with 47 double-doubles at Notre Dame, fifth in rebounding at 1,043, and 15th in scoring at 1,508 points. But again, he was more of a trailblazer than anything as he sort of opened up that East Corridor for guys to start coming to Notre Dame, and that really hasn't dried up since. Little hockey news. Joe Wegworth off the win, off the win in the icebreaker tournament out in Erie, Pennsylvania. He scored five points in two games there. It was a four team tournament. He had four assists and then the game winning goal in the championship against Providence, number five Providence, actually. Kind of interesting in the semifinal or this first game, I should say, Mercyhurst. It was a six six tie. Notre Dame actually won that in a shootout. And then a three nothing win over Providence and what we expect a little bit more. Uh, but again, Joe Wegworth was named the National and the Big Ten Player of the Week, the first one of the season for both awards. Uh, let's see, the men's hockey team will play at Omaha, Nebraska this weekend. 
And just a little bit of an extra sort of half nugget on hockey. NBC, they've re-upped. They will cover Notre Dame again this year. 18 Notre Dame hockey games will be covered by NBCSN and NBCSports.com beginning on October 26th when number one ranked Minnesota Duluth comes to the Compton Ice Arena. That's the team that knocked Notre Dame out of the playoffs in the championship game last season. So you can pick that game up if you're not going to go on NBCSN. Finally, a little football news. Um, Julian Love, obviously Notre Dame's fine cornerback, and Jerry Tillery, Notre Dame's fine defensive tackle, were both named to the AP midseason All-American team. Julian Love, a first-teamer. Tillery, a second-teamer. Uh, let's see here. Love, this season, is already tied for first with three fumble recoveries and tied for second. This is nationally tied for second nationally with 13 passes defended. As we all know, he's already the career leader in that category, and he's just breaking his own record with every single game that he plays. Uh, Tillery leads the team in his 10th in the nation with seven sacks, and he's tied for third nationally with three forced fumbles. These guys have been a power on the front end of this defense and on the back end of the defense, and really this is these are reasons one and two why Notre Dame's pass rush is the best in the country, pass defense actually. As a matter of fact, Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense right now ranks number 13 in the country, the record for this stat, the best the team has ever done, the program has ever done, is 10th um, at the end of the season. They certainly stand a good chance to do that with the competition coming up, and those are your blue-gold nuggets. All right, let's look back at Saturday, and I think the most alarming thing that came out of the win was how their uh, offensive line really got manhandled last uh, Saturday. Three sacks for Pitt. Uh, the leading rusher was Ian Book, actually tied uh, Dexter Williams with 31 yards rushing. And after a couple of monster games out of Dexter, you're mm-hmm. expecting more of the same there. Nothing really started getting going until the second half when Ian Book found Miles Boykin to open the offense up a little bit. He did spread the ball around yeah. to the receivers really Chase well. Claypool had a good Claypool half. had a nice half. In fact, uh, four receivers had four catches or more. So that that's that was the good part. The bad part, what was alarming, was how they could get no penetration up front. I, th- I think Brian Kelly d- talked about it, he kind of put some of the blame on himself. He was really so hell bent on staying balanced that they just kept kept crashing into that line that that Pittsburgh had decided you're not going to run on us. You mentioned Dexter Williams, 13 carries for 31 yards as a team, 38 carries for 80 yards, a whopping 2.1 per carry Ouch. average. But I think a lot of the credit has to go to Pitt on that. As a matter of fact, Brian Kelly said afterwards, "Hey, we could we probably should have and could have thrown the ball 40 or 50 times in this game." But we're very committed to balance. So I think I think that was part of the problem. But when you look at Ian Book, overall, you know, the two interceptions are obviously troubling. Both came in the first half. But twenty six of thirty two, there's that completion percentage that looks great again. Uh, but the second half was unbelievable. Fourteen of fifteen passing, one hundred fifty six yards and two TDs, including the game winner against Boykin with five and a half minutes left in the game. Again, survive in advance, right? Look, the light came on when you wanted it to, and that's one of the tests you want to see from a young quarterback, Todd, is if he's got the it factor in the fourth quarter, and he certainly looked like he did. Now, again, it's an inferior team, uh, but still, I got to win. You got to have a drive. He made sure they had one. A little bit flat, and I think, again, I, and I, I know it's at least two kickoff returns this year, and I might, maybe even a punt return mixed in there, but obviously the 99-yarder to open the second half by Pitt uh, that made the score fourteen to six. That was really troubling. You know, the pit kicker missed a couple field goals uh, in, in a nineteen fourteen game. So this thing could have gone either way. And I'm, we're going to pop Brian Kelly in here, kind of giving his assessment. And trust me, folks, you can feel the enthusiasm on this one. We weren't tired. I mean, we were not sharp mentally. We didn't execute efficiently. 
they weren't at their best, and Pittsburgh played well. I mean, they did a great job. We had one possession in the first quarter. They played uh, exactly the way they needed to play to keep this game in, in the manner that they did, and we still found a way, giving up a kickoff return for a touchdown, throwing two picks and not scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Um, so having said all that, if you told me all those things are going to happen and we still found a way to win the football game, I'd be pretty excited. Excited about the win. Um, moves us to uh, a bye week and uh, gives us a chance to, you know, kind of regroup. And, you know, we had a tough week. Our guys were uh, in midterms this week, and they could use a few days to kind of regroup and get ready for the next five games, which are going to be really difficult ones. But proud of our guys. Their grit hung in there um, and found a way to win. It's college football. Um, hard to win each and every week. You're going to have some of these games, and they found a way to win. So pretty excited about it. Well, they are 7-0. and Well, here's the thing, Todd. They lose that game going into a bye week. I could see this season totally going mm-hmm. getting away That's from this point. team. You know, I thought about that. Because uh, you're out of the playoff picture right away. You got this bye week. You're heading across country next weekend. Uh, it was, you talk about must wins, and it was Pitt, and they should have won by three touchdowns, but... I tell you, that drive in the fourth quarter might be the most important one in the last 10 years here. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I hadn't really thought about that dynamic of losing a game. You're a favorite by three touchdowns, as you mentioned earlier, and then going into a bye week. But, you know, I just love, considering that Ian Book was never a starter, they, they jam him in here, and his completion percentage is off the charts. He's on, you know, once he gets to enough games played, he certainly is on pace to set every record there ever has been in that, uh, as far as a program is concerned, as far as accuracy. And, for him to have face adversity for the first time in that first half with a couple picks and then to come out in the second half and play as well as he did, actually Brian Kelly kind of sums it up a little bit in this short clip. His pocket awareness was not great in the first half. Um, had a nice conversation with him in the second half. He settled down nicely. Um, but I think this is just maturation. You know, seeing things, feeling them. And then, you know, as I mentioned, had a great second half. I mean, if, if, if you take away a couple of th- I think he had one incompletion. And if we can work on his sliding skills to get to 10 full yards, he, he's flawless in the second half. Yeah, that's a funny joke. It almost seemed like he was um, not prepared for some of the schemes that Pitt was showing him early on. And I don't know if that's a coaching thing or mm-hmm. if that's a him thing. Uh, but make no mistake about it, the defense played awfully well. Pittsburgh really didn't move the ball that much. You, you take away that right. uh, kick return for a touchdown. They were just playing ugly, and Notre Dame was playing just as ugly. I think part of it maybe was a familiarity with Pat Narducci, the, sure. the coach of Pitt, with Brian Kelly. They faced each other a lot and when Narducci was coaching the, was the defensive coordinator at Michigan State. So maybe he had a couple wrinkles up his sleeve that Brian Kelly wasn't quite ready for, and Brian Kelly indicated that was actually the case. So, again, this is one you survive in advance. It happens. It, it, it happens to a lot of teams. This is an honorary opponent. It, it's, a, it, it's really a very traditional rival. I know people don't think of Pitt as a rival, uh, but Notre Dame has played Pitt the fifth most of any other team uh, in the country. So... And they were giant killers. We mentioned it yeah, last year. Yep. Two years ago, they went down to number two Clemson and knocked and knocked off the Tigers. Then last year, Miami came to them undefeated and ranked number two, and Pitt beat them as well. So uh, it's not a bad football team, and I think Notre Dame should be, you know, obviously very pleased. And and you could just feel the excitement in Brian Kelly's voice there uh, to survive in advance. <laughs> uh, well, let me ask you this: and we talk about the offensive line, and obviously they need to be they they need and we're playing better. Should we at least be concerned a little bit with a with a position that we thought? 
thought was a little thicker than it looks right now, and that's running back. Obviously, Tony Jones Jr. looks a little lost back there right now. You've got the injury to Jafar Armstrong. You know, unless Dexter Williams is going to put up monster numbers, I'm a little worried now that uh, you know maybe we're a little thinner than we thought there. I think that's why the bye week, of, of all the position groups rags on this team, the bye week helps the running backs more than any. They feel like they can get Jafar Armstrong. Uh, that, What's the that, confidence level with him now getting back? Well, last we talked about it, last we, were, he, we asked Brian Kelly about it, he was pretty confident that he was going to be able to start working out. He kept mentioning he needs range of motion work, range of motion work. And when you talk about a knee infection, you can kind of understand where he's coming from. He basically he indicated that he was was pretty confident that Armstrong would be back after the bye week for the Navy game. And then he thought that Tony Jones Jr., his ankle would get a chance to clean up as well and heal up as well. So I think, again, of all the position groups uh, that can benefit the most from a bye week, it's clearly the running backs. All right, let's uh, look ahead a, a little bit here. And obviously there's no game this weekend. It's kind of the halfway point, although they've played seven. There's five left with the bye week here. They've got two natural home games left. They've got the pinstripe game out there at Yankee Stadium. Uh, but they got two major road trips, actually three major road trips. Yeah, because they really the just the one. Yeah. yeah, just the one home yeah, game, yeah, rags, so, uh, actually. It's, you've got, uh, you've got uh, Navy. USC, cross-country trips, and the one the Yankee Stadium. So if we want to look at the schedule, and everybody's saying if they win out, they win out, they're, they're there. Uh, is that is that necessarily true? Well, I'm going to quiz you a little bit here. The first of two quizzes I'm going to throw at oh, you here boy. during this blue gold hour. You know, I'm just going to run it down and look at it. Okay, Navy out in San Diego. Navy is 2-4 and four this year, which is pretty remarkable for a team that typically wins. To step back for them Yeah, 9-10 yeah. games. Uh, have lost three straight. Um, so I, you know, I guess you, you think Notre Dame can handle that one? <laughs> I do. Here's, a, you know, uh, if this game was home, I'd be more worried. <laughs> you know, that's the ironic thing about yeah, this team. I'll give you that. Is that when they're home favorites, they they struggle. When they're road favorites, they usually play a lot better. Uh, maybe it's the camaraderie on the road. A, a trip to San Diego, you can't beat. I think they should win this game, considering it looks like a down year for Navy. Yeah, you would think so. Well, just the the athletic ability from Notre Dame. And this is a very athletic team, probably the most most so that. Uh, Brian Kelly's put on the field. Northwestern then up in Chicago, up uh, up at the stadium there in Evanston. Three and three. They have won two in a row, including at Michigan State. Well coached. Yeah, always well coached. And then uh, a home game against Nebraska this past weekend in overtime. Northwestern three and three. That's a true road game for Notre Dame. It is, but I'm interested to see uh, how we travel for that game since it is so close. Will it be uh, since it, it you know if Northwestern was more of a seven and one team at the right. time instead of a three and three team? Um, will we be able to steal a lot of seats there and make that more of a uh, uh, less of a hostile territory for them? I think they should win that game, Todd. I I don't see that being much of a problem. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. That Northwestern can be an ornery bunch though. But Again, I, this is all barring any injuries. It yeah, of course, we don't, yeah. Obviously, you know, that we don't see coming. It's what we do on a bye week, right? Uh, <laughs> and then the, the, the last home game of the season, um, Florida State, again, just, just like Navy and perhaps even Northwestern, and an atypical year for the Seminoles, 3-3. Three and three. Um, They lost last week 28-27 to rival Miami. That was a road game, so they actually hung in there. I want to say they were like a two-touchdown favorite in that. This team hasn't really beaten anybody. Samford? Northern Illinois and Louisville. Yeah, that's Florida good. State's three years. Yeah, three wins. I don't. I think it's the offensive line that a lot of people are pointing at. I haven't seen enough of them to really make an assessment. But and certainly, here's another game. They'll probably be two touchdowns at least favored in that game. They'll go uh, down to the wire. And I'm assuming that's homecoming too, right? So this is. Uh, I think. Yeah. That, I think that's a shoe and win. I don't. Uh, plus, it's going to be a colder weather kind of game. Florida State coming up here. I can't see them losing that game, Todd. So that's three for three right there. Like I. I, I don't really have much hesitation in those three games. No, I don't either. 
either. And here's where it does get yes. interesting. The last Absolutely. Two, yes. Because a lot of what I'm reading only gives Notre Dame about a 55% chance of winning both of these. Both Not not in, not one or the right. other, but if you lump them together. The first one being Syracuse, which has actually lost two straight games. Had that impressive loss at Clemson, but then lost at Pitt in its previous game. Had a bye week last week. They are 4-2, and two, lost two, two straight but definitely a dangerous team. This is that Yankee Stadium game uh, coming off Florida State and this and that. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's a home game, and I think it's a true home game, too. I, I know Syracuse is in the state of New York, but I don't really have much of a problem thinking that Notre Dame's going to fill up that stadium out there in New York City. Um, still the travel logistics you that you have to have, deal with. And, and considering they're going to go cross-country again right after this, which which is a mind-boggling, and we talked about that earlier on, how much they're doing. Syracuse does scare me, but the more you watch Florida State, that win, not as big. Their big, most impressive thing is they almost pulled off that upset against Clemson, um, and they scored a lot of points against against Pitt as well. So this offense can score. They put up 51 against a UConn team. This this is the one that worries me. Out of the two that are out really? at the back end, yeah, you know, I just uh, I don't see enough out of USC to really bother me too much. And again, they they've played well when they've had to out there. Um I like Notre Dame here uh by a nose. This is the one that scares me the most. Interesting, because obviously you mentioned USC to wrap up the regular season here. Been a tough place for Notre Dame to win, especially when with a lot on the line. USC is now four and two, three straight wins, so they are playing better after a one and two start. Yeah. Um, I uh, this but you I, mentioned it last week though, Rag. So I'm going to throw it back at you. You said if USC is in a position to knock Notre Dame, they're gonna they're gonna raise their game. Well, yeah, and you look at the rest of USC's schedule. Uh, there's really nothing on there. I mean, they do play UCLA and Cal, but they're not really. I mean, that's not a huge rivalry games, especially when neither team are are any good. I just go back to the the undefeated season when they needed to go out there and win that game, and they won it pretty handily. Uh, I, I just have that memory in my mind. I, I could see BK getting that team ready again on that trip. He's actually had pretty good success against uh, USC. He struggled with Stanford a little bit, but had some pretty good success against USC. So I, you know, it sounds like I'm a little more confident than you are that they're going to be able to go five and zero here. I just the pit game worries me. I going into the pit game, I thought really I was looking at. It, I thought it was going to be a shoe in, but it just goes to show you this pit game really just goes to show you that anything can happen on again any given Saturday. Maybe we can look at it as hey, here's a good wake up call. Yeah. Yeah, going sure. into that buy at home is a guys nothing's a gimme. You've been riding high these last three weeks. No, you can't just ride on that. Rest on your laurels and and get a win. So uh, interesting to say the least. And we go all eyes will be on uh, Notre Dame. That's the cool thing though. At least all eyes are on Notre Dame. They're in the top. They're in the uh, conversation. Hey, we're heading into November and they matter. And that's really now. Here's what happens when they get to November <laughs> is when they usually hit a brick and wall. It matters. Yeah, and then it starts mattering and everybody's tired, fatigued. We hear all these words. There's going to be a lot of fatigue if they're traveling all over the place. All right, uh, Todd, let's. Uh, you, you, we wanted to talk about this uh, Newt, uh, Newt Rockney thing. Well, you got a story first that you wanted yeah. to bring up, but what did you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm gonna, it was, I had a chance to do a story pretty cool for the Pitt program out at the stadium, and it was on the father-son combinations that are currently at Notre Dame, and I didn't realize there were six of them. Um, Alex Bars, obviously the offensive guard who's out for the season with the, with the bad knee, um, did have successful surgery on that. Uh, his father, John Bars, played in, uh, played in 84. He was uh, 81 to 84. He was a linebacker here. 29 career tackles, so he was a backup guy. Keenan Sweeney, his father, John Sweeney, was a fullback here from 79 to 82. 
He's now the surgeon in chief at Emory University School of Medicine. So a bright guy. If there's one thing I meant, I found out when I was talking to these kids' dads, uh, a lot of bright folk here. Uh, Logan Plants, his uh, father, Ron Plants, played offensive guard here from 82 to 85. Um, he actually played three games, had a cup of coffee with the Chicago Bears in 87. J.D. Carney, of course, John Carney's son. Uh, John Carney was a place kicker here from 83 to 86. Uh, J.D., he's a walk-on guy. He's a really smart guy. Um, He's he's actually, most of his accolades when it came to high school were just uh, a lot of the different things he did through charity work and whatnot. Uh, But we all know John Carney. He, uh, what was it? He was the second most accurate field goal kicker here, and he played 23 years of NFL football and left as the fifth leading scorer in NFL history. Devin Spruill, this was a good one, too, because Byron Spruill, I actually remember him playing. He was an offensive guard in 84 to 87. I was a co-captain here. Um, he's now the president of the NBA Players Association. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty bright guy there. And then Colin Grunhardt, and this is the one I really wanted to highlight. Colin Grunhardt is the son of Tim Grunhardt. And Tim Grunhardt was a offensive tackle here, uh, started on the 88 National Championship team, and, and just an all-around good guy. He married his wife Sarah here, met his wife Sarah here, and... Good player for the Chiefs, too. Yeah, absolutely. Good good 11-year career with the Chiefs. I'm glad you brought that up. And what's interesting is when you put together the Harringtons, which is his wife's maiden name, and the Grunhards, they have four generations of letter winners. And so I wanted to pull this interview out. It's about six and a half minutes, but I thought Tim was really interesting. So let's pop that in, and he'll break it down, uh, just how all that works out at the end. And there is a Newt Rockney tie. Colin and Kaylee and CJ, who are all at Notre Dame right now, are our fourth-generation kids there. So they right. knew that Notre Dame was important to our family. And they knew how important Notre Dame was to, you know, kind of our everyday life. I mean, Notre Dame is a part of everything we do every day uh, around here. So uh, they knew how important it was. But I think it's really important to let your kids make their own decisions. Um, you know, you don't want to make a decision for your for your child and then, and, you know, if they don't like it or they're, they're miserable, then, then, you know, you feel responsible for it. Uh, in, Colin's, in, in Colin's case, you know, Colin had some, some pretty nice offers from some F, uh, CS schools and, and, and the academies. And, you know, we, we took visits to all those schools, and, you know, South Dakota, South Dakota State, Airs, uh, Air Force. And, you know, we were just as enthusiastic when we walked down the campus of those places with him as we did when we were at Notre Dame. But, um, you know, we just thought that, you know, if, if Colin um, wanted to go to Notre Dame, we'd find a way to make it happen. You know, obviously him walking on and us paying for two and a half kids, you know, it was a challenge for us. But right. we just felt it was really important for to give him the opportunity to go to the school that he really wanted to go to. And, and, and eventually that was Notre Dame. We always wanted our kids to go to Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, sure. Uh, you know, our. But like I said, I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we didn't want to, we wanted to let them make their own decision. And, you know, yeah, it kind of harkens back to my recruitment at Notre Dame. You know, my parents, uh, they came on the official visit. They said, listen, you're going to make the decision where you want to go to. And and, um, and when I said I wanted to go to Notre Dame, they took a big deep breath and said, oh, that's where we really wanted you to go. So I think we did the same thing. You know, we... We let uh, let the kids look at all the different schools and different options, um, whether it was for academics or athletics. And uh, when they came to the conclusion that Notre Dame was the place for them, we, we, we were happy that they made that decision. But, uh, you know, really it came down to them making the conscious decision to, to go to Our Ladies University, and that was important to us. How much did you sort of talk about and share what you had gone through during your career here? You know, we, we talked about it a little bit. You know, I was – 
uh, lucky enough to be able to coach Kyle for his last three years in high school. I was his offensive line coach, and and uh, you know we, I talk a lot about hey these are some of the things we did at Notre Dame, and uh, and we had a lot of success with that. You know the Notre Dame football game was always on every Saturday when when these kids were growing up. But you know, we, we, once again, it was one of those things where you, you just you get it's a fine line because I, I and, and I give Colin so much credit because you know he had the strength and, and the audacity to go ahead and walk onto a team that he right. knew that his father was an All American at and was a scholarship player at, and decided he was going to shed that and say, listen, I'm going to go on my own, I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to work hard and give myself the best opportunity to have success. You know, and and I'm not going to let the uh, you know the big uh, kind of uh, shadow uh, eat me up. And and I tell them all the time. I said, what these kids do, especially these walk-on kids, you know, academics and going there and, and paying for themselves to go to school, it's so much harder and it's so much more difficult than than I had it. And I tell them, I said, you know, I don't know if I could have done what you do. Sure. And I give him so much credit for what he's doing and giving himself an opportunity. Now to travel on the team as a redshirt uh, a freshman, it's, it's 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 been great for him. It's been, a, you know, life isn't easy, and, and you know there's going to be all kinds of challenges. And um, if you can learn how to to uh, adapt to those challenges uh, through football and through college, then you know you have a heads up on or a foot a foot up on everybody else. What has made you most proud? Well, you know, I think the the most proud that both his his mother and I have been of Colin thus far at the University of Notre Dame is. Um, I don't know if you know about that. You know, each captain um, and you know, some of the seniors get to pick their teams for for the summer workout. You know, academics it rotates through. You know, being on time, and doing the right thing, and cleaning the locker room, and and doing uh, charitable works. Last year, Colin was one of the first picks um, as a as a as a freshman. Uh, you know, going into the summer, he was one of the first picks from Alex Barr, who was the captain. He was his first pick. And for us, you know, when one talked to Alex, said, you know, we, I wanted a quality kid like Colin on my team to help help me lead these guys. Mm. Um, you know, not only just on the football field, but you know, in the classroom. You know, Colin's a good student. You know, he he does all kinds of social work and he's done charitable works his whole his whole uh, career in high school. And and then you know, being on time has been an important thing for him. And and I, you know, I think that those are the the attributes that even if you're not you know playing on the field and you know, scoring the touchdowns or throwing the touchdown block or making the big sack, that you can really affect the team by, you know, example of doing the right things off the field and, and working as hard as you can on the field. And for me, that was the proudest moment because I, I think the older guys recognized that it was important to Colin to make sure that he made a, for lack of a better word, a, a splash mm-hmm. um, in, in, in what he could do. Tim, last one for me. Will you kind of walk me through your Notre Dame sort of family tree? Well, I obviously I married my wife, Sarah, uh, graduated from the University of Notre Dame. Her father, Jim Harrington, who was an All-American uh, uh, track pole vaulter, uh, he graduated in 54. So that would be and then her father, grandfather, um, Paul Harrington, was a world record holder in the pole vault and also a you know, an All-American, and Notre Dame, and Newt Rockman was his track coach. So we go back from 1926 oh, to 54 to uh, 90, and, and now uh, CJ, our oldest, will, will graduate this year in, in, in 19, and, and then we'll have a couple of 21s, I guess is what they are. So, um, yeah, so uh, it, it, it keeps going. Four generations of people at Notre Dame, and, and we're real proud that our daughter Kaylee, 
uh, became the fourth generation monogram winner um, at Notre Dame, which was really cool. You know, with, with swimming last year, so who knows, right? Might carry on to five. Let's wait a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, hope, I, I would, I would love to uh, see that. I'd love to be around to see that. Yeah, five generations would be very, very uh, unusual. But uh, really, if any family is going to do it, it's going to be grown out Harrington family that's put together such a legacy at Notre Dame. Awesome job, Todd. Let me remind people, too, or actually not remind them, let them know that article is up right now at und.com about the generational uh, pattern that is at father-son at Notre Dame. Excellent job there, my friend. Thanks, Braggs. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, uh, Tim Grunhunter is a fascinating guy, and his son Colin's a really nice guy, too. Todd and I don't have to make predictions this weekend. We predict we're going to enjoy the weekend uh, around the rest of college football. It's a bye week. so I, I, I predict Alabama beats whomever they're playing by 60. Uh, that is a good, good prediction. There's no doubt about it. All right, we'll get to uh, another Blue Gold Report next week. As always, Todd, thank you so much. Uh, Blue Gold Report brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. And again, wherever you found us, make sure you rate, review, and like us and do all those kind of fun things. If you're listening on radio, Fighting Irish Preview is next. Todd, we'll do it next week. Sounds good, Rags. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.